0: You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded. My name is Jared Buck. Joining me today is Anton Lascar Anton, how are you doing?
1: Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine, as well as you can be when the halves have lost seven out of the last nine. But you know,
0: uh, you know, it's
1: just it's just the way it is. At least we're 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 hoping for a better future now, right? Yeah,
0: you're, you're you're still new here, but I'll, I'll get, let you into a little secret. Don't don't uh, don't don't attach your emotions to this Canadians team's results. Y- no, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm
1: a new, like I'm a Cleveland Browns supporter, and I'm a Newcastle United supporter. So, so I know how it is. I know what I've chosen, and uh, you know, it's um, it's not the easiest, but um, yeah, um, I know what it's like to be a Canadian supporter, and and uh, I'm here for the good and the bad times.
0: Yeah, it, th- there was a little bit of both this week. Uh, <laughs> speaking yeah. of the good times and the bad times, and obviously, there's a lot to get to. You know, we had a special episode during the week because of obviously the the big news that Claude Julien and Kirk Muller had been uh, fired or what, what's uh, let go let, let go what was what's what did they say i forget what they say uh released from their posts or whatever whatever yeah, it is something like that yeah. uh relieved of their duties that's what it is relieved of their yeah. duties <laughs> yeah. uh that, that's that's the the uh the buzzword that they're still technically under contract but yeah. you know they don't have to do any work anymore no, exactly <laughs> but and what we want to focus on a little bit more on on this podcast, and obviously, there were the two games against the Winnipeg Jets. I said it. I said it in in the the article the day after everything went down. That you know, it's not going to be an overnight change, and and you know, we, we saw we we really did see a change overnight, especially from Thursday's game to Saturday's game in mm-hmm. the way that this team played. But at the same time, there's still things to iron out, and, and things that they're they're going to have to to look at and, and just improve. But I, I think you know to get that game out of the way and just move on. If they play like they did on Saturday, more often than not, they're going to win, and we won't have to worry about it. So, are you, uh,
1: are you I, sure about that?
0: Yes, <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know they might not win every game but they'll win more than they lose and if they play like they did on saturday that's that's just the way it is and you know there's we'll talk about the specific changes that we want to see and things like that you know as we talk about the coaching change but what i want to do and and what i think i'm i'm maybe better placed to do is is talk about you know dominic ducharme and and what we can expect from him but before we do that i you weren't on the, the episode with, with Patrick in the middle of the week, right? No, yeah. No. So what was your first reaction, I guess, to the coaching change? Oh, it was
1: just shock. Like I remember, like I read about, well, that, I mean, obviously I, I knew that Matt was coming out with an article about that, like during mm-hmm. the, during the earlier hours of the morning, um, about how perhaps might look, might need to go for for a coaching change at this point. But uh, I, I still feel Claude Julien as a coach, he still has such high cachet in, in the NHL just for from his years in Boston. And, and obviously being a francophone a guy and a guy who's coached the Canadians before and being so closely tied to Mark Bergman. It's just, it felt like when he got to stay during the last season, when there were two eight game losing streaks, it was just like, And then you had the play-in and playoffs where the Canadians played better. And obviously, all of the newcomers, uh, well, the new acquisitions coming in and Romanov and everything. And you just felt like, oh, well, you know, this is a fresh start. And they start the season seven, one and two and just feel like, well, they are on the right track. Finally, everything feels like, you know, now Julian with this experience and everything will just, you know, that will just add to this and just uh, make sure that they... Don't just float away and their own thoughts and get in the way of theirs and themselves. But then when you've seen the, the Canadians play over the last few weeks, it's just been depressing. It's just been like and there has been nothing there. There has been like no guts, no willingness to go for it. It's just been like there has just been a lack of ideas. And obviously, we we have talked a lot about uh the lack of ideas on, on both ends of the special teams as well. And then when I saw the news, I was working at the time and I just oh, God, like, all right, they actually did it. Mark Bergevin actually went out and he relieved both Julian and Muller. So basically what he says is, I'm seeing what you are seeing and this is not okay. Like, even if we started the season great, like, we can't go on like this. We need to do a change and we need to stir things up if we don't want to lose this season as well and get into like a lottery lottery pick for this draft as well. So yeah, yeah. Um, once I started thinking about it, like it took about a couple of minutes. And then I was just like, well, this is the right thing to do.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny because, you know, after the week off, you know, and and I don't think the week off was the right time to do it. I think that you had you they weren't they were going in the wrong direction. But, you know, you figure if a week off, there might be some changes. There there could be a way to get out of it. That They weren't playing that badly, uh, even though the results weren't necessarily there. And, and then once they come out a week off, you start looking at the schedule. And, and when would the right time be? Especially after the, you know, the, the loss to, to Toronto and then – well, actually, they won against Toronto, I guess, the second game. But, yeah. um, you know, then they they kind of, you know, come lose to Ottawa and, and you kind of look at the schedule. And, and what I did is I, I looked at the schedule and you see the two games against Ottawa coming up and you're like, okay, if those don't go the way that you think they're going to go – And then you look at the games against Winnipeg and then you see a trip home and two days off, right? The travel day, day off game on Tuesday, which is where we are right now. Mm. And and I would have expected maybe a move now, you know, today we're we're talking on Sunday after the second Winnipeg game. I thought that would be the time that they would make the change on the travel day and, you know, get ready for, for the game at home against Ottawa. You have a full practice and, and things like that. Uh, and And I guess it speaks to the urgency of the situation that they did it between the Ottawa and the Winnipeg trips. <laughs> they did it on a travel day, just not the travel day I was expecting it to happen on. and And I think that that, that you know, shows the urgency that Mark Bergman has this time because I don't think anybody would have blamed him if he had waited two more games. No. Uh, and 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 what happens with that is, you know there's a chance that they win those two games, and you're like, oh, okay, then then you kind of, full you know you you kind of uh it's like you're digging uh digging a hole and then you know you finally have your foundation and then you know you start building on top of it and then you're like oh well we're digging again so I guess we can you know manage to dig a little bit more and I I think it it really showed the urgency that Bergerman had in in making the move when he did it and and I think that I wasn't surprised the, the the decision maybe a little bit of the timing but not even really because you can tell that the team just didn't have anything against Ottawa and no. and and how many times do you have to look at a team that is has a slow start that is making mistakes before you think like okay you know what it's not the players it, you know we, we need we really need a change and and you know there are some people who probably feel like it was the players but if you're the general manager who has built this team and specifically brought in you know, four or five of these guys. This, this in the last few months, you can't be like, oh, you know what? It is the players. Yeah, you know what? It's the players. Let's keep the coach and and you know just uh, ride it out. But you can't do that because if they did that, Mark Vershyn would probably be the one being fired, and and not Claude Julian or, or or probably. And, both and, and
1: He's blamed the players before. Bergevin has blamed the players course, before. That was course. that was why he did the reset in the first place, where he said, like, well, the leadership on this team is not what it should be uh, mm-hmm. in the locker room. So he got yeah. rid of guys like Max Pacioretty and, and gave Claude Julien the benefit of the doubt, even if uh, the Canadians didn't play well during his first
0: year as well. Yeah. Yeah, he but, blamed, yeah, he blamed the players after he blamed himself and after he blamed the injuries. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. It's it's on me. Uh, there was it's on me. Then there was it's the injuries yeah. And it was, you know, it, it, and I'm not saying this to, to blast Mark Bergman. I think he's, you know, what else do you expect him to say, right? Yeah. He's not going to be like, yeah, you know what? It's my fault and uh, I'm just going to, you know, quit and that's it, done. You know, get somebody <laughs> yeah. else to, you know, like, there's only so much you can expect him to say, at least publicly. Uh, you know, that's why I don't really read too much into it. But you can tell that the the writing is on the wall here mm-hmm. where, you know, he, he's out of chances. This is his last chance. Mm. you know and and i think i I was gonna write an article about this but i I don't think that i have enough to flush it out but Mm. i think that you know dominic ducharme's interim tag says more about mark bergevin than it does dominic ducharme and my my thinking on that is that if mark bergevin is the general manager next season dominic ducharme will be the head coach yeah uh but if things don't go right it's not gonna be mark bergevin's call to make (laughs) And 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 I think that's why the interim. And I don't think that Jeff Molson did this because, I think there's other factors why he was interim. I think you know that the the change happens so quickly. You don't necessarily want to, you know, change the contract or rewrite the paperwork. You know that quickly. Uh, I think that you know if all goes well, he'll be the coach. And I think even if there's a new general manager, he'll be the coach, Mm. um, as well. But at the same time the timing of it and the fact that they didn't really have much time, you you don't want to really want to rush those, those decisions, especially if you're Dominic Ducharme, right? You want to have a look at, you know, see what your renegotiated contract is going to look like. And I'm sure it's a little bit renegotiated, but in terms of, you know, salary and things like that, I don't think he's getting paid like a head coach would normally, at least not with the job security. But at the same time, I think that, you know, it, Mark Bergen is on his last chance. If if the results on the ice don't come, I, I don't see him being a general manager next year. Having said that, I do think the results will come. Uh, I, I think that they're going to make the playoffs. They're they they're probably going to be, you know, solidly uh, in front of any of the teams behind them. They might even challenge for third or for second, uh, depending on how how good how things go. And you know, looking at the standings, you know, there's Ottawa and and Winnipeg. Uh, sorry, Ottawa and Winnipeg. Edmonton and Winnipeg in front of them, mm. Calgary behind them. You know, in both Montreal's case and Calgary's case, I think Vancouver and Ottawa are a little bit too far behind to be a real danger. But mm. those two teams have gone through their downside, right? And and you can argue that Edmonton has a little bit as well. But at the same time, I don't think Montreal is on the, on the way up. And, and that goes with what they saw Saturday. But eventually, like I said, the results have to be there. But I don't think that they're in danger of missing the playoffs. I do think they get this turned around, and and eventually, you know, get. Uh, yeah, I, w- I
1: will say I, oh, I will no. want to say like thanks to this coaching change. I think that they were on the right right path again. But if that didn't happen, I I feel like such a Bergman Homer for for like supporting supporting <laughs> some of the best decisions in the last few years, and it always makes me feel sick of myself. But but actually, like when I when I like when I read about the press conference and the answers he gave and the answers to Sharon, gave i just felt like well you know um this was you know M- montreal want to go for it this season they they still want to go for it and they still think that they have the right personnel to do it uh but they needed a shake-up at this point and and you know that was it, it's good that it came this early because now as we say montreal is still in a playoff spot as as we're recording this now and that is during a time when as we spoke about before we started, started the podcast, uh, they have the, what is it, second worst record in the league during the last 10 games, and they are still in the playoffs as of, as of now. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, it's 2-5-3 it, and three in their last 10 games, only Vancouver is worse by one point. Um, so they're, they're a point better in Vancouver in the last 10 games. They do have games in hand, um, not against Winnipeg, uh, but against Edmonton, and they're, you know, three games in hand, five points back, uh, even if they win two of their three games in hand, uh, that that's only that goes to one point, right? So I, I do think that you know I think Toronto is a little bit out of reach um, at this point, but you know who knows what's going to happen with them through the season. And obviously they don't have the big, the greatest track record of play, playoff success, but at the same time, I, I don't think that um, I don't think that necessarily Montreal's in danger of missing the playoffs, even though Calgary is right on their heels. Uh, and things like that. I, 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 think that Montreal gave themselves enough time to turn it around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that was because of the timing of the, of the coaching change. If Claude Julien was still coach, I would be a little bit more concerned uh, mm-hmm. about the direction they're going, but you know, they still have 36 games left. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's plenty of time. That's more than, you know, yes, half the, almost half the season is gone, but they still have over half of it. That's, that's the other side of it. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not really worried about their playoff spot. Um, but if they if they miss the playoffs, then definitely everyone is going to, you know, be fired. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think there's any way around that. But I I don't Clearly think enough. that I don't think that their 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 positioning is that precarious, to be honest. But I I do want to talk, about, like I said, about Dom Ducharme, Uh and yeah. about the things that that Bergevin talked about when he chose him, mm. and a lot of the things you know, he said, you know, communicating and new age of head coach and things like that. And I really do think that, and, and i said this before on, on this podcast, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I've definitely said in the comments that I surprise, surprised. but I don't find the fact that you're hiring a French coach or a coach that freaks, speaks French as a handicap. And the reason I believe that is because there are plenty of... Qual- the, saying that it's a handicap implies that there's no qualified French head coaches and that you're hiring somebody who's not qualified. And I don't think that's the case. I think the issue with the Canadians has been more the roster they give the coaches, especially in the, you know, late nineties, early two thousands. The, you know, the, the sack era, especially, I think there was more problems with the general managers in that time than there were the coaches And, and you know what? What bears that out is that all of those coaches got several coaching jobs in the NHL after they left Montreal. Yep. So uh, you know, uh, you as much as you want to blame, you know, the the coaching and, or hiring a French coach, Alain Vigneault, Michel and Claude Julien, all had very good success elsewhere. You know, they weren't hired just in Montreal because they were French. They they were hired in other places, uh, multiple places. In, in the case of Vigneault and and Julien. And and even Terry, you know, he's gotten an assistant coaching job as well under Vigneault, obviously. But you know that there's there's plenty of of coaches to go around. And you know Montreal's issue has been that they haven't really tried to prepare these coaches for the NHL. And and I think that that's something that they're trying to do differently now with Dominic Duchamp, who was hired as an assistant coach, you know, two three years ago. Joel Bouchard hired as a head coach of the Laval Rocket. Um, you know, all the, the coaches in Laval were French speaking. So you have potential there to promote. And, and, and I think that all of that is, is good. And obviously Trois-Rivières coming into the ECHL is going, you know, they're probably going to hire French speaking coaches and that's another level of development of, of coaches. So I, I don't think it's a handicap. I, I I will absolutely, you know, jump up and down and, and die on this hill, and I think the issue was is that they haven't prepared them or developed the, the coaching staff like the conventional Canadians can do, both financially and with their, their situation. And, and I think that they are doing that now. And that's the difference. And I, and I, you know, Dominic Ducharme and Joao Bouchard, both of them, are two of the best coaching prospects out there, regardless of language. And, and I think that you know we're we're gonna see that. We see that already with, with Dominic Ducharme, the way he talks. It's just different, even to the media. It's just different than it was with Claude Julien. And obviously, he's. it's an overwhelming thing. Here's a guy who has to speak in, in both languages and, and you know, no days off and, and talk to, you know, doesn't want to give too much. But I, I think you can see what he's thinking and his thought process. And even, you know, he was called out about the decision to start Philip Danone in overtime on Saturday. And he explained exactly what he was thinking. Yeah. And, and, and that's something that you don't usually see, right. You know, coaches would be like, yeah, oh, that's my decision. I wanted to do that. And yes. that's it, you know, he, but he actually explained his rationale and, mm. and I think that that's refreshing. And, and, you know, he mentioned, uh, I think it was on Saturday, uh, before the game where he mentioned, I want to talk to all 24 players every day. And, and that's something that, that resonates with me because it reminds me a lot of Joel Bouchard. And, and I don't, I'm not, I haven't been around the, the Canadians on a day-to-day level. Like I have the rocket last year, obviously with, with COVID, no one's really around on a day-to-day situation, but with, with the rocket, one thing that st- sticks out is what you see with Bouchard and what, how he talks every day and, and talks about, you know, different players and how he, the main thing is communication. You talk to his players, the same thing that they'll say the same thing, the, the main thing is communication. And what what you see with Ducharme is that you see parts of that and and i think that's a key thing because how many players have you seen in montreal after they leave whether it's free agency or trade or whatever and say yeah, Claude Julien never talked to me. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I, I, I i you know, or Michel Terrier never talked to me. Mm. You know, I I can think of, you know, Daniel Briere, I think Paranto said that as well. Uh, Max Domi Domi said that, Uh, Mm. you know, there's, there's a lot of guys, you know, and and I think that that's a major thing when you're looking at the new generation of coaches is, you know, you're not, you're going to have to bench guys. It's the reality. You're going to have to move guys around. You're going to have to give more ice time to some guys and less ice time to other guys. But at the same time, what you need to do is explain it to these players. You know and 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 I think that that's a key thing. And you could talk about tactics all you want. And, mm-hmm. and you know, there's reason to believe that julian was was a little old fashioned in that regard as well. But at the same time, I think that that is the major thing here. It is tactically is one thing, but you also have to manage personalities. And, and I think that that's something that Dominic Ducharme can do with this generation of players that maybe, uh, you know, someone like Lou Julien or even Kirk Muller couldn't do, and and it even goes back, I, you know, it was it's been this has been an issue since basically I, I want to say since Gerard Gallant left the Canadians, right? Mm-hmm. Because he a lot of players said that you know he was kind of Michel Ter- Terry you know, Michel Terry would never talk to players, it would always mm-hmm. be uh, Gallant, and I and I think that that's something that was missing with you know th- this this team. I mean, look at you know, Ducharme was kind of there to be the, the guy who goes over video and stuff like that. And I don't think he necessarily wanted to step on those, but he kind of rep- replaced that that kind of younger style head coach. And, and I think that that's something that, that will be a, a big difference, not only you know, as tactics aside, and yes, there's, there's reason to believe that those are going to improve as well. But I, I think just managing personalities and making guys want to play for you and understand your thought process is, is a way to build – um, a winning culture around an organization as well.
1: I think it's also like um, a hierarchy thing. I think that the older, uh, the the coaches who approach 60 or that age or even older, um, like a Mike Babcock, like we've seen that Bruce Boudreau hasn't received uh, any interest basically on a coaching position after he left the wild. Um, I'm just wondering, like Claude Julien, obviously now, Um they have been brought up in a mentality which is like, um, well, I am the boss, deal with it. I have the position as the head coach. So whatever decision I make, it's final, And you should just shut up, shut your mouth and stay quiet because I'm the boss. And you never need to like, I think that a lot of people who are born in that generation may may, um, have like even outside of hockey understand that well if you're born in the 50s or 60s you know that you were brought up with a mentality that's kind of like don't um interfere with what your bosses say but then now we have this generation of guys well in in our age who are born in the 80s 90s who are much more uh questioning when it comes to decisions and obviously social media and everything uh, being so um yeah, you, you can you you can go out and and say your opinion uh, at any moment, basically. And coaches have to deal with that as well. So uh, it's much more that you have to be you have to be a player's coach at this point. You have to be someone who can um, make twenty four players, as it is this year, go through fire for you, even if they're not playing on a regular basis. And that is just something that can come from earning that respect. You can't just have the respect because you're the head coach. You have to earn it by showing everyone why you're the leader of the pack. And that is something that you can basically only do by uh, talking to players and telling them how they can improve to uh,
0: to strengthen their position on the team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it brings me back to, you know, it's, I remember speaking to a woman's hockey coach uh, a few years ago. And one of the things that was brought up is is someone asked, what's the difference between coaching boys hockey or, or, you know, men's hockey and coaching women's hockey. And he said, the women always ask why. So you tell them to do something tactically or or something. And they say, why they want to understand, not in a, in a way to defeat the head coach or like, why do you want me to do that? It's that they want to understand why they're being told to do something and, and I think that that's something that has extended into the younger generation. Is that they know that there's different options out there, and it's not a defiance, but it's it's a curiosity. It's it's a yeah. okay. You want me to do this? Why? And I think it plays into a little bit of the uh, you know advanced statistics and you know the knowledge of, of knowing there's something beyond goals, assists, and and the you know plus minus and things like that, right? So I think people under want to understand okay, why are we doing it this way? And I think it's the same way of, of roster decisions. Like w- what strikes me about Joel Bouchard is that you, he, he and, and I and I had a, a lot of teachers that were like this when I was growing up is that, you know, people were like, people who didn't want to put the work in hated some teachers, right? And then I, me, I would never have issues with them. And w- what happens is, and what I say about guys like Bouchard, and and I think Ducharme is, is kind of like this as well, is that if you put the work in and put the effort in, they you'll like them, <laughs> and, and if you don't, they, because they know they all they want all they ask of you is the best that you can offer, and that might not be great every night, it might not be good enough to win every night, but as long as they can see that you're trying, that's what they go for. And you look at the veterans who under Joel Bouchard didn't work out, you know, uh, in Laval. There, there's a lot of them. Alexander Grenier and uh, Riley,
1: Barber Phil, Riley Barber,
0: Phil Veroni, you know, Matthew Peck at a certain extent. You, you look at all these guys who didn't work out and the, the the thread beneath them is that, you know, he expected more from them. Mm. And, you know, that people, people twist that around and say that, oh, that means that Bouchard can't work with skill players. Yeah. and that exactly. And that's, and that's not the thing at all. It's not about working with skill players. It's about playing, you know, relying on people who who just coast on their skill, right? Mm. You look at someone like Jake Evans. Jake Evans is a skilled player, arguably more skilled than any of any of the people I mentioned: Faron, Barber, all those guys. Yeah. Difference is Evans gave it every night, and and you know, and, and I think that that is is something different, right? You look at look at Kinyemi, right. Mm. Bouchard never said anything bad about him. And what happened? Kotkaniemi thrived under Bouchard. Yeah. Nick Suzuki never played under Bouchard in the AHL, but similar mindset. No one's going to say Nick Suzuki doesn't work hard, mm. right? And I think that's a, that's a a differentiation that you have to make is that it's not about, you know, hard workers, grinders, right? It's just hard workers. Hard workers can be skilled guys too. And, and yeah. you know, you look at a guy like Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. Yes, they are, uh, um, uh, Sidney Crosby, they are among the the top on the top of the top in terms of skill. But you talk to anybody who is around them and they'll say that they work a lot. They work hard too. Right. And I think that's the difference that we have to make with these guys is that if you put in effort, you will be rewarded. And that breeds confidence and breeds understanding. And look, Joel Bouchard has to manage 30, you know, it was 35 guys. Now it's about 30, 33, I guess, or 32 guys. He only can, he only played 18 <laughs> or 20 a game, right? So it, it's it's one of those decisions where it's crazy. But he said at the beginning, he's like, I have to be honest with these players. I have to talk to them and sit them down and say, listen, this is why you're not playing. And it's just a reality of the situation. I'm not going to not talk to them. And I think that that is the new age of communicator that Mark Bergman is looking for with Ducharme. And I think that Ducharme can bring the same aspects to that. And the reason I bring up Bouchard a lot is, A, because I've been around him, and for, you know, this is not the second year that I talk to him pretty much every day. And then, the, and Ducharme has not been, you know, around as a head coach that much and, and talked that much. So, but they are very much similar and they've worked together a lot uh, going back to Hockey Canada and even to the to the QMJHL, where they're both assistant coaches under Pascal Vaison, who coaches the Manitoba Moose. So uh, they, they go back a long time. And I think that that is definitely a mentality that they all have. And I think that that is what is going to be the difference maker here. And, and like you said, it's just about gaining the respect of the players, not through authority, but just yeah. through communication.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's interesting as well. When If we look at Ducharme, I like the fact that Bergman seemed so confident in the press conference and just said, well, you know, when this was going to happen, that we were going to uh, change coach. Ducharme was our guide. He was the one that we were you know it, it felt like they were grooming him for this task uh if it hadn't happened now like obviously we had um well claude julian's heart surgery and everything so we didn't even know like if he would yeah I obviously when that happened if, if something had gone wrong i think Ducharme would have been the guy who had taken over then as well and um uh, yeah, it just feels like uh, a decision that I mean, it can seem hasty on the surface, but when you go beneath, and I saw I saw tweets um, surfacing, and obviously it's it's tweets, so you never know. But that, uh, well, it was Ducharme who was behind um, the more offensively minded Canadians team that we saw at the start of the season, and then Claude Julien. Um, wanted to, you know, back a, a little bit, go go back a little bit from that and, and you just, um, you know, play, play it a bit safer. And then the Canadians started to lose and then he wanted to play it even more safe um, and just go defense first. And if we look back, Dominic Dutram came into the Canadians as an assistant coach in 2018 and that was the same time as the canadians started this reset when they had just drafted yemi and they traded um they got Nick suzuki and Thomas tatar in the pacheredi trade yeah. and and they said that they hit the reset button right and i remember at the start of that season because obviously the canadians had been the fourth worst team in the in the nhl during the previous season and you didn't really know what to expect when mark warship <laughs> said a reset because well they had pretty much sucked the last uh, the season before that and whether you want to blame it on injuries or or, or just, uh, yeah, anything else, it doesn't really matter. It just matters that it wasn't good. And then actually the play during the 2018-2019 season wasn't bad. I mean, it was actually pretty great uh, considering that it wasn't so much change in in personnel uh, when it came to the Lions and everything. It was just something was different. And then they ended up just uh, a point or two short of Columbus and a point too short of making the playoffs, and I don't want to jump the gun here and say that it was all Ducharme uh, making that happen, but obviously we can see how it was before, and we can see what happened when he came in, and and just I, I think it it's a breath of fresh air, um, and it, it's going to be fascinating to follow. Obviously, now, now we're coming off a two-game losing streak to, to the Jets, but they outshot the jets 41 to 21 48 118 during the regular uh, well the three periods so yeah, yeah it, it, it's just it was a different look of the canadians um especially saturday night and and yeah it's um i don't want to be too positive when the team as i said has has lost 7 and 9 but yeah it, it 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 feels better now than it
0: did a week ago right you you feel like because the, the main thing, and I, I don't want to fl- throw Julian on the bus and say it was all nah. his fault. That I don't want to say that. But at the same time, the the start of the season, Montreal Canadiens were playing very well, right? Yeah. And then Claude has said himself, other teams have adapted to us, yeah. right? The teams have, have gotten more defensive. They, they get their systems back in place. There's no preseason. So they adjust to us. And what we were looking for. And the reason why you can kind of see, you know, the reason why eyes on the prize had basically three articles about coaching, uh, the day that Julian was fired is because you can see it on the wall. You can, you can see the writing on the wall. The, the issue was is that Julian never readapted, right? It, basically what happened is that he allowed the the teams to adapt to him, shut them down offensively. And then his reaction was to play more defensive, or mistake-free. And and I think that was the wrong adjustment to make. And I think that's why Mark Virginia saw the team going down. And we've seen this before, right? In the playoffs against the Rangers, when Julien first took over, Vigneault made some adjustments, and, and Julien didn't know how to react. And again, I don't want to throw him under the bus because he had just taken over that team. He had less than 30 games under his belt that season. But at the same time, it, it's a pattern, right? Your teams adapt to the Montreal Canadiens, and then it's almost like they don't know how to readjust. And, and I think that having Du in there and even Alex Burroughs having fresh ideas is something that's going to help tactically. and, and also um, you know we saw it because what happened after the between the first and second period is that Munchell got more dominant on Saturday, right? How many times have we see Munchell have a great start, didn't get a goal and then kind of the other team adjust and, and run away with the game. Right. It's mm. happened a lot, a few times. And again, it's not just coaching that does that, but you know, this team, this team was a, a very fragile mentally te- mental team as well mm. and mentally. So I think that that's something that, that plays into it as well. And, and you kind of have to build them up. And I think Dusharman is well-placed for that because he's kind of like the new guy, but it, it's happened a lot of times. And I think that was a major factor as well. And why, you know, people were just like, okay, this, this is how it's going to go <laughs> because, there, there wasn't that kind of way to re-attack or, you know, readjust the attack and the way that you look at teams It's just like, okay, they're doing this to us. I guess we're going to lose now. And mm-hmm. there was never that, that kind of adjustment tactically. It was just kind of like, oh, well, we made mistakes. And and I, I don't think that was the the right way of, of trying to fix what was wrong with this team because it, it doesn't really address what was going on. It's like, oh yeah, we need more traffic in front. Mm. it's not it's not that simple and and I think that that's a a major factor as well but having said that I I think that it it is going to be a very interesting season rest of the season and and I'm really curious how this team comes out against the Ottawa Senators on Tuesday because I think that will tell us because you know against Winnipeg their team that Montreal has not played this year either in the early part of the season, when they were good, in the second part of the season, when they were not so good, but Ottawa, they literally just played a week ago, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and I think and I think that seeing how they adapt to the Ottawa Senators will show what kind of team and what kind of adjustments we can see going forward, and and, and that's where that's really the measuring stick that I'm going to use because a, it's way too soon to judge Ducharme on anything. Uh, you know, he hasn't even been in charge a week. Even when he gets uh, in the in the game against Ottawa on Tuesday, he's not going to be there a week. But at least there's a little bit more time to uh, to, to, to have a, his system in place. And, you know, he was confident that the system would be better on Saturday, and it was. And, you we'll, know, we'll just keep going from there. But I also want to see how they adjust to a team that they know how they're going to attack them, right? Montreal knows how Ottawa is going to play them because they've played each other what, four times a season? Five? Yep. I think yeah. four. Yeah. Uh, you know, Montreal knows how Ottawa is going to attack them. Dominic Ducharme knows how Ottawa is going to attack them. And now it's time to see that readjustment on Montreal's side. And that's that's what I want to see, because that's what's going to tell tell us what this team is going to be like going forward, and what Dominic Ducharme is going to be like as a coach going forward in terms of adjustments. And, and I, I believe that we'll see a different team on Tuesday than we saw in the last week. And, you know, for Mark Bergevin's case, we, you know, job security, we better see a different team on Tuesday than we saw in the last week.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think as well, like, this is the first uh, first game at home that uh, Ducharme will, uh, will be in charge. And it just, um, at least after two games witnessed, um, then you can start, like, obviously he had ideas from the start since it's been in the organization, but it yeah. takes takes a couple of practice sessions, obviously, before you can start, especially having Alex Barrios coming up to take charge of the power play. That doesn't just happen in a day. It, it happens. It, it takes a week or it takes two or something. But the Senators are such a lousy team that you should be able to. You shouldn't. It shouldn't be that hard to win against a team like the Senators this year or Detroit last year, as it has been during the Julian era. Um, so, yeah, we better see some adjustments uh, being made to just go out and press the throttle and just go full-out attack against a Senators team that can't. I um, shouldn't be able to stop that from the Canadians.
0: Yeah, you know, M- Montreal has had, you know, two seasons, maybe even more than that, where they play down to their opponents. Yeah. Uh, you know, look at Detroit last year as an example. You know, and even before that, you know, how many times they go into Buffalo and even when they were in first place, just completely not play well. And, and I think that, you know, that uh, it, it's something that happens a lot with this team. And I'm not blaming it all on coaching. And obviously the team is a lot different than it was as well. So, but at a certain point you have to shake that narrative off. And, and I think that the first step to do that is on Tuesday. And, you know, they don't necessarily, it's not, I'm not, I don't want to say it's a must win game, but we're getting into that territory. Just, just for the mental, the the mentality of this team, right? It doesn't matter how good you play if you don't start winning games. It it drains on you, and I think that's something to look at uh, on Tuesday. We'll have everything for you at Eyes Prize. We have uh, a lot more planned this week for you. And Don, thank you so much for for joining me. Thank you for listening, sure. uh, everybody. And and you know, go to Habzandtheprize dot com. We have plenty for you from all of our staff. We have every game covered. Everything for you. Keep listening to the podcast subscribe if you haven't subscribed yet and uh, stay safe and we'll see you next time on have some fun. you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks